So, uh, I'm Pastor Michael Meyer. Uh, I've been serving as the manager of disaster response for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, they've asked me to serve as the director of disaster training and response as well. So uh, expanding on what we're doing uh, at our synod level for engaging people who are going through kind of intense times of suffering. I've been doing this for six years. Uh, and uh, before that, I was a parish pastor in Denver, Colorado. Uh, hey, some Coloradans out there. Good. Uh, are you all from Denver or just the front range? Aurora. Okay, what congregation? Eternal Savior. And Mount Olive Aurora. Okay, wonderful. Uh, I grew up in Texas, by the way. So if the, an occasional y'all slips out, that's why. Um, real quick, let's do something. All right, I want to take a selfie with everybody. All right, can we do that? Do we have time for that? I think we do. So if, if you can see that, let's try it. One, two, three. Oh, somebody was blinking. Who was blinking? Um, okay, so loving your neighbor when life gets rough. We want to talk about this because I, I think you know that life does, in fact, get rough. We would not be here in this room if we didn't have maybe a keen understanding that life gets rough, not, not just for other people, uh, but also for ourselves, all right? Uh, and this, this happens in a, in a variety of ways, okay? Uh, do we have Bibles, by the way? Raise your hand if you've got it. We're going to use them, all right? Get them out. Uh, we're going to use these Bibles. Uh, so let's talk about suffering, you know, the, the roughness, those rough edges of life. All right, if you don't, that's okay. We're going we're gonna, to uh, we're, we're operate a little bit on a theology of glory. If you want to read one of these things on, your, on, our beha- on my behalf, you, you may get rewarded. Okay, uh, so I want to. There's generally two kinds of suffering that we talk about in the in, in, as Christians in the church, right? There's a suffering on account of the faith, right? That persecution that Christians uh, endure on account of the confession that we maintain, right? So this might uh, might not come in the form of a picture that you see here, right? Where at least in the United States right now we don't have this going on. Uh, where, where people are beheading and, uh, uh, and creating new martyrs of the faith. But there are other kinds of persecution for the faith, right? Uh, when somebody laughs and mocks you because you still go to church, because you have confirmation uh, on Wednesday nights, or, or because you, you don't want to stay out too late on Saturday, you want to be able to wake up in time to go to service on Sunday morning. Uh, and so may, people may laugh at you. They, they may, they may uh, question your, uh, the reasons that you believe uh, why uh, life is sacred from conception to natural death. Uh, they, they may question your stance on sexuality. Uh, and yet we still maintain these confessions, right? And, and there's, there, there's, we have this, uh, this, uh, this understanding in Scripture that this will, in fact, take place. It's not abnormal. We shouldn't consider ourselves... Uh, out like 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 we're somehow on the fringes of Christianity because we're being attacked. In fact, we're in the very middle of Christianity because we're being attacked. We have that. We know it's coming. So let, who raise your hand if you want to read First Peter chapter four, twelve to fourteen for us. All right, go ahead. First Peter, nice and loud if you can. First Peter chapter four verses twelve through fourteen. Yeah, oh, it's look at that. Beloved, do not be servants. 
do not be surprised at their fury. Trial when it comes upon you to test you as though some, something strange were happening to you. But rejoice so in so far as you are Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when the, his glory is revealed. If you, have, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory and the God resets upon you. But let none of the, you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or as a meddler We have this promise, this acknowledgement in Scripture from the Apostle Peter, right, that suffering will come, right? And don't be surprised when suffering comes, right? When fi the fiery trials assail us, uh, because the servant is not above his master. Christ suffered, which means we, are, we will, in fact, suffer as well. Uh, so there's also a, a secondary kind of suffering here. By the way, thanks for reading, okay? Okay. Uh, so there's a second kind of suffering as well, this general living in a fallen world kind of suffering. These are the, the, the things that, you know, life is going to get rough for us. We're, we're going to have sicknesses. There's, going to, there's death in the world. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be hurricanes, disasters of all different kinds, right? So could I have somebody, a volunteer, read Romans 5.12? Raise your hand. Yes, ma'am, please. Yeah, so sin entered into the world, uh, uh, or, and death entered into the world on account of sin through one man, Adam, right? And now death spreads to all men, right? So nobody is immune from this. Here you go, see if I can... Oh, good catch. Um, so this general living in a fallen world kind of suffering... So this is, uh, uh, nobody is immune from this, right? So everybody, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or non-Christian, at some point uh, we're going to die and meet our maker. At some point we might have a sickness, we might have uh, visual ailments where we uh, can't see as well, our, our auditory systems might not work like they, like they should. There's going to be bullies in the world that are just bullies, right? It's not because the uh, because you're a Christian that you're being bullied, but because you might be smaller or bigger or a little bit different, your hair might be a little bit different, uh, th these things are going to happen, right? Uh, people in the pew suffer. This is a, uh, Christians aren't immune from it. Some people think that, oh, if, we, if I become a Christian, if I just believe enough and strong enough, uh, then, then all suffering is going to cease. That's what we would call a theology of glory. There's a, there's a, a whole host of... Uh, uh, of uh, TV preachers that talk this way. It's called, uh, an, another word for it is the prosperity gospel, right? That if you give enough, if you contribute enough, if you believe enough, if you pray hard enough, well, then, then all bad things will go away. And that's, 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 not, that's not true, okay? Um, some people think that, well, if I go into the ministry, if I go into church work, well, then maybe I'll be, you know, maybe I'll avoid some suffering because I'll be a little bit closer to God. Well, that's, that's not true either. Pastors in the pulpit, church workers all over, teachers, uh, commission ministers, we, we all suffer too. We have sicknesses, we develop cancer, uh, we lose our hair, right? Uh, all, all these things uh, happen to pastors as well. They're not immune from it uh, simply because they put on a, a clerical or a, a robes on Sunday morning. 
okay? And so what is the response? What is the response? What should our response be to suffering, to, to, to the, the, the roughness of life? Well, the church's response, the Christian's response, is found in Christ and in his love for us. This is kind of the basis, the framework now of, of what, our, uh, what our love, our response is actually going to entail. So a volunteer for 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. I saw a hand up right there. You're wearing the bracelet, and you probably have a purple... But by this we love that he laid his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Close. This is like a baseball game, and the foul ball comes, and you know everybody cheers if they catch it. Um, all right. So, little, let's let's not love and in, in just in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. Now, John is not he's not separating these two things as if they're sep- as if they, they they never touch. Well, you can only only love in deed, or you can only love by by talking. I, I think the, the rest of scriptures all really put these two things together. They put deed and, and word next to each other, right? But I want to go back to the beginning of what she read, right? That if anyone sees a, a, a brother in need and closes his heart against him, how many of you, does anybody here know uh, like the, the Latin or the Greek word for heart? If I say it, I think you'll probably know it. Cardia, right? Like cardiac. If somebody goes into cardiac arrest, that means their heart stops, right? The Greek word for cardia or for heart is cardia. Uh, th- this is not actually the word cardia here that, that, that John is using when he says closes his heart against him. The word that's being used here is splachna. It's another word, okay? Uh, it's literally talking about the insides and the bowels of the individual being moved into doing something. That's what splachna is. So if you close the, in, so in other words, that's the feeling you get when, uh, uh, when, when let's, let's take for example, if you were to see your, uh, your, your grandmother fall on the stairs, right? What would, what would happen to you? Any, any, any responses? What would, what, what would you, your response be? Splachna. Yeah, but, yeah, they may go splachna, right? Uh, but your response wouldn't be to just kind of laugh it off, right? Unless you have a weird relationship with your grandmother, okay? Uh, but it wouldn't be to laugh it off. It would be to run and help her, right? And, and the insides, literally, your stomach might do what? It might heave up into your chest, and you would start to feel butterflies, right? That's... That's the, the, the insides of you moving you to do something. That is, sir, splachna, all right? So, so if you see your brother in need and you close your splachna against them, well, then God's love doesn't abide in you. So let us not love and just word and talk, but indeed when, and with, that, with that inmost movement, right, in our, in, our, in our bellies going up into our chest saying we need to do something and reach out to this person who is suffering. And it's not just when grandma falls, 
all right? It's not just when there's a disaster that occurs, but it's when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ, our neighbors in school, uh, and elsewhere, when we see them suffering and in need, our splachna should be on the move, okay? To, to help and to serve them. So how does, how does, this, how does this work, all right? Uh, it, it's really whole person care. That's what this kind of splachna, this kind of Christian care really is, right? And we have, we have examples from the, the man himself, from Jesus, right? Because Jesus ministers to people in body and in soul. This is the whole person, the old philosophical distinction of man, that we are, that we are human beings have a body and they have a soul, right? And so we as Christians, we recognize that we want to seek to minister, to help, to love our neighbors when, when life gets rough in body and in soul, because Jesus did this, and in fact, he still does this today, right? Uh, let's, uh, we're not going to read all of these. I don't have enough candy to read all of these. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, what, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. All right, let's, let's uh, take a moment to get this out. Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Anybody want to take a chance at that? Maybe somebody in the front half. Oh, all the way in the back. That's going to, I'll just knock it off. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had co compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, this har into his harvest. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Sorry, miss. That was a terrible, terrible toss. 
Um, all right, so Jesus ministers body and soul. We have other examples. If you wanted to write some of these down, you can look them up tonight as you're going through your uh, devotional with your group if you wanted to look through some of these. See how Jesus has compassion, how he heals the sick. If you want to take a picture, just wait one, one minute. That's, I, okay, I think they're all there now. All right? Uh, so the feeding of the 5,000 is the same way, where Jesus feeds them. He sees he's teaching them all day long. They're wandering around in the wilderness, and he says, all right, let's give them something to eat now. He's, care, he's caring for them in their souls, and now he says, now we need to, we need to take care of them in their, in their bodies as well. All right? Oh, it's warm. Whew. Isn't it? Uh, the, the, the doors. Uh, let's, if we could, if we, can we, let's take a vote, actually. If we want to open, it's going to be a little noisy if you open the doors. But if you want to open as many as we can, all right, good. So Jesus is not the only one that cares for people in their bodies and souls. We, uh, we have this distinction that occurs in the creed. How many, how many of us have gone through confirmation? Um, all of us. Maybe there's a couple that haven't. Regardless, you should, you should recognize these words, all right? That uh, when we confess the first article of the creed, uh, the explanation, what does this mean? Well, I believe that God has made me and all creatures. He's given me my body and my soul my senses, my ears, my members, and still takes care of them. All right, I know I missed a couple of things in there, but he still takes care of these things. Western known as God's providence, by the way, that God is still actively providing for you in your life, in your body, and your soul. Jesus has a body and a soul just like us, right? He's made like us a brother, and this is the incarnation. He's, and now in the third article of the creed, we have that this care now intentionally for your souls where the Holy Spirit calls you by the gospel, where he enlightens you with all of his gifts, he sanctifies and keeps you in the one true faith, and he does this not just for you, but for the whole Christian church, right? That the Holy Spirit does this uh, uh, for the whole Christian church. A wonderful, wonderful gospel promise. We have the resurrection of the body, right? Because in death, what happens to body and soul? They're, they're separated, they're rent asunder, right? To use marriage language, right? They're, they're, they're separated. The body goes into the ground. The soul goes to be with Jesus. All right? Not a soul sleep, but goes to be with Jesus. All right? And then at the resurrection of all flesh, body and soul are again reunited. All right? We'll keep going. Uh, the early church also cared for people in their bodies and their souls. We're not going to look at uh, uh, many of these passages. Again, if you want to take a picture, uh, this might be the slide. Okay? Romans 12.20. Uh, volunteer to read Romans 12.20, please. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will be help heap burning coals above his head. best friend is hungry that you should feed him? Was that the word that was used? What word was used? Enemy, right? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because in doing so, you're heaping coals on his head. Now, when I was your age, I thought, oh, coals on the head. Wow, that's going to mean that he's going to 
just suffer, right? Because if I do good to him, that means that, 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 that this is gonna, I'm going to feel a little better. That's not what that means, coals on the head, but it's, it's to wake this person up, right, to the things that they are doing to recognize that they are, in fact, not good, right? So this could be in, uh, 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 enemies of, uh, of uh, Christianity or people you just don't get along with, right? Uh, so the heaping of coals on there is to wake them up from this, uh, from this behavior. And hopefully, they would return that favor to us, right? So that when we're behaving like we shouldn't and we're in need, uh, then maybe they would help us and heap coals and wake us up to what it is that we're doing and we might be reconciled. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9, like I said, we're not going to read it all, uh, but this is uh, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, this is in the context of basically every stewardship sermon you might have heard talked about or preached, right? Uh, this actually is, uh, there's a collection that the early church is gathering for the saints in Jerusalem because there's famine, right? There's a terrible, terrible famine in Jerusalem, and the, and the church in Corinth raises up money to send to them because the, the, there's people hurting in their bodies. They say, we need to help them, so they do. There's also letters uh, from the church in Rome to the church in North Africa. Did you know at one, at one point Christians used to be abducted and sold into slavery on account of their faith? Uh, and this was very, very early, and it may, I, I think there's probably some places where it may be still happening. Uh, but very, very early. This is like 100 A.D., only about 50 years after uh, uh, the time of most of the apostles. Okay? Uh, and uh, the church in Rome sends a letter, and they, send, they take a collection, send it to, uh, to Africa, uh, North Africa, and say, uh, use this money to buy back the freedom of, of, those, of, uh, of those Christians who were abducted and sold into slavery. Okay? Uh, and, uh, and then let us know if this happens again, because we would want to help again. That's the kind of splachna that they had when they heard that their neighbors were, were hurting. Okay? Let's keep going. The church today continues to care for body and soul. Most churches have stewardship committees, social care ministries. Uh, Christians today, we still care for our neighbor. All right? And so we're going to kind of move into this. Well, how does, how does this happen? Again, we have examples uh, in Scripture of how, how we show love and compassion and care and, uh, uh, for somebody. One of them, uh, we, this example is in the incarnation itself. And by looking at the incarnation, let's think about... Uh, specifically, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay, uh, the parable of the Good. We're all familiar with this, right? There's a Samar uh, There's a, an individual who has uh, been beaten and robbed, and he's laying in a ditch. Okay, uh, and uh, uh, let's just for the sake. I don't know if you've heard this, but let's let's pretend that Jesus is the Good Samaritan. All right. That Jesus, in fact, is the one that gets into the ditch and helps out. The Levite and the Pharisee, they, they pass by. The law and the prophets, they can't help. But Jesus does. He comes and he gets into the ditch with this person who is ailing, with the lost souls, and he, he cares for them. He binds up their wounds, and then he takes them to the inn, and let's just pretend for a little bit that maybe the inn is the church, right? And so Jesus leaves these people in the care of the church to care for them. And here are the tools uh, word and sacrament. Here's a little bit of money to take care of them. And then he gives the promise that he's coming back. Right? And then he'll settle, the, settle whatever costs are remaining at that point. Okay? I th next time you read through that parable, read through it with that eye. Uh, and, and I think it might change things for you if you haven't been reading it like that. Right? So we have this example of, of Jesus coming into the ditch of our lives, lifting us up, giving us new life. Okay? Uh, wonderful, wonderful 
uh, story there. And we have uh, examples in the resurrection where, uh, so in other words, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a ministry of distance. When you want to show love and compassion to your neighbor who is hurting, it's, it's not something that occurs at a distance. It's one that occurs in proximity to that person. And, and, and uh, we, I think we can acknowledge that social media and the technology that we have today does, does not act, it's not actually conducive to that, right? Uh, it seems like we're, we, we have constant contact with people. With our friends, we can just pick up the phone and we can text them. Uh, but, uh, but, but that is, uh, that's not the same. Uh, I think we, we, uh, if, if we haven't acknowledged that yet, I think we should, that it's not the same. In fact, social media and technology today is, is a block. It's a barrier for that kind of interpersonal relationship that, that's being spoken of here, right? Because Christ didn't send a text. He didn't, uh, he didn't get onto Snapchat and just hashtag uh, uh, on, on Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, uh, this, this, this shows my age, right? I'm 38 years old, guys, all right? Uh, when, I was, when I was in elementary school, I still learned how to... T- to, to type on an old typewriter. And the computers actually existed when I was young, but my school was so poor, we still only had typewriters. Um, regardless, uh, he, didn't, he didn't say, oh, hashtag suffering, problems, uh, I'm thinking of you, uh, but he actually goes and he comes into our midst. Uh, and the same thing at the resurrection, the, the disciples are scared. Uh, on that first Easter evening, they lock themselves in the room. They don't know what's going on. Jesus was missing. They've heard a story, rumors, maybe that he was, that he was risen, but they don't, they don't quite believe that yet. And Jesus comes to them, and he speaks to them. He breathes on them. He gives them the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it's this presence, it's this word that, that, that moves the disciples from, from the, 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 the suffering that they're in, uh, this tragedy, into triumph. Right, where it just changes the world for them. Okay, so now let's talk about us, our vocations, which is our callings in life, the interactions that we have with individuals. Okay, when we talk about vocation, we talk about we can talk about circles. Luther would call it the, the like the three estates, right? Uh, but here we can talk about just uh, family, the vocational interaction that we have with family, those who are literally closest to us. That we wake up in the morning, we get out of bed, and who do we see in the kitchen? We see mom and dad. We see brother and sister. We see uh, those kind of uh, the, uh, close connections. And then we have the church family. We have our friends. We have school. We have all of these things that we develop relationships with each other. And those are the natural times where we interact with people who are suffering, with people who are uh, in those rough times, those rough places. And then at that time, we can come with them and walk alongside with them and, and show them love. Okay, so we do this primarily through listening. Okay, believe it or not, somebody who is in a rough spot, how many times have, has somebody called you and just said, uh, just started talking about all of the different things that have gone wrong in the day? And they don't want you to fix it, right? Because they know you can't. They just, what, what, what do they want? Anybody? They just want you to listen. They just want an outlet for them to, to be able to explain what it is that they've gone through and to know that they are not alone in the midst of that, right? That they have somebody to share that with and that somebody is you. 
And there may be some times where you call somebody and you don't want them to fix it. You just want to know that you are not alone in the midst of this. And we have the promise that we aren't, of course, because Christ is with us. We're never alone in that fact. In our baptism, we know that he is always with us. He is always near. Okay? And so listening is just the, the utmost importance. Right? And then if we talk about listening, uh, then it, it, this, this kind of takes the burden off us, uh, frankly, of, of, uh, of you know, when, when I talk about this, uh, a lot of times I talk about it in the midst of almost like strangers, right? People going into a disaster uh, of, of go, walking up to a family that's lost their entire home and starting up a conversation with them, all right? Uh, that, that, that can be kind of difficult. It can be challenging, uh, but some of the things that we can do, look, we, that, that, that it takes the burden off of us when we let the Holy Spirit do what he does, which means we listen, and as we have opportunity, we can share words of, the, uh, of Scripture, of the gospel, with our neighbors. How many of you have actually quoted a Bible verse for your friends uh, when they're going through a rough patch? And say, maybe, hey, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or Psalm 46, that... Uh, uh, the, the, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Even though the, the, the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, God is with us. Right? Uh, and so we can take in some of these scripture passages, share them with people, because what a lot of people need uh, care for their souls. All right? So we point to Christ, his forgiveness and eternal love, and, and to not the, 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 the roughness of life, that suffering, that sadness. All right? Listening shows that you care. Uh, we want to uh, listen with our whole body. It's challenging with the technology to have a phone and want to talk with somebody else. But if you're interacting with somebody, you want them to know that you're listening to them. Okay? Um, I'm going kind of fast through here. Right? Five more minutes. I put up a couple examples here of how not to show love. Things that maybe not, might not be the best thing to say. To somebody who is going through a rough patch in life, who's maybe uh, uh, has some kind of intense suffering, right? And it's sometimes well-intentioned statements. And I have to put a little ca a caveat here uh, that says it, some of these depend on your relationship with that person, right? Because there may be instances where one of these things could be okay to say to them, right? So... Uh, in other words, um, let's see, uh, if you're in a relationship, you're dating somebody, boys, guys, don't, don't ever tell your, 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 your female partner, your dating partner, right, your girlfriend, don't cry, right? That's not what she wants to hear, okay? But what she might want to hear it's going to be okay, right? That might, might be uh, an, an appropriate time to use that, okay? But not everybody has that kind of a relationship where you would be able to say that because you, you don't always know that it's going to be okay, right? So what can we do? Well, we can promise to be there with them. Again, that person who's, who's uh, called you up and they, they want... They don't want you to fix it. They simply want the shoulder to cry upon, to know that they aren't alone. And that's what, that's what we want to show to people who are going through those, those rough patches. 
All right. So we don't we don't want to tell them not to feel bad. Uh, it's 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 not your place to tell somebody how to feel. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's not always helpful to tell somebody that uh, that they're really really strong and that they'll actually they'll get through this uh, on their own. It's not always helpful to say that hey this is God's will this has happened. Uh, that's kind of delving into something that God has not actually revealed. Okay. Uh, so when we talk about it in the midst of suffering and disaster, we say, well, why did this happen? Uh, we're free to say, I don't know why something like this is, would, would have happened to you, and I'm sorry that you're having to go through this, uh, but you're not alone. 